You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? We are one game away from having week eight in the books. And if you're someone like me, that absolutely sucks because this has been a horrible week for fantasy. Matt, how uh, did your fantasy weekend go and how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, ironically, a couple of the teams where I was actually trying to lose on purpose, um, I put in some players that I thought wouldn't be very good, and they exploded, which probably sums up why Week 8 was <laughs> was a rough one for you. Um, yeah. I'm guessing you're not starting the Matt Patricia Frank, Frank Reich fan club right now. I am not. I'm actually actively sending petitions out to get both of them fired. That That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, the Jonathan Taylor news, I guess we'll we'll get to, makes a little bit more sense now with the news that came out today, but Swift makes absolutely no sense, especially when carry-on gets a touchdown. Carry-on Johnson? Like, I saw that. I was like, yeah, at least Swift got a touchdown. I was like, no, wait, that's fucking carry-on Johnson. Really? That's what we're doing here today, folks. The most uh, probably amusing part is, you know, it was 24-3 at halftime of Denver's game with the Chargers. So I hit record and turned the TV off because I was pissed off and went outside to do Christmas lights for my wife. Yeah. And then I start getting texts like, what an amazing football game. I'm like, oh, Seattle must have done something cool against the 49ers because I was the only other game playing here. And I go back and I start watching the Denver game again. And I'm like, this game sucks. And my friend Matt it was like, just give it a few minutes. Yeah. 
Well, hey, yeah, at least at least your uh, your team put up a competitive effort this weekend. You know, I'd love to say the same thing out of my out of the team. I think I could have scored more points uh, against uh, Las Vegas than the Browns did. It's it was an all around really shitty weekend, especially when you end up, you know, you consider yourself a quote unquote expert. And you tell people all week long, I posted this in the chat, that, hey, Giovanni Bernard is going to have a great week this week. Start him. He's a top 10 option. And then you try and get cute and you play somebody else over him. And I end up losing by 12 points when Giovanni Bernard scored 21 points. 21. I like. I could have easily won. I'd be sitting at 400 right now. I'd actually be sitting in sixth spot right now in the playoffs instead of dropping all the way back down to 11th because I will end up losing. And it's just, yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. Makes me hate fantasy football so much. So, so much. Speaking of hating fantasy football, I imagine a lot of the New England Patriots fans are hating football in general at the moment as they lose to the Bills this weekend. Bills 24, I mean, Patriots 21. You win 15 titles in a row and six Super Bowls and you have one mediocre you know, season. It's funny. You I'm not going to cry for you, Boston. Neither am I. But the funny thing is, and this just goes to show privilege, right? Uh, I was talking to a friend. Um, I've mentioned it before. I, I, if you guys have listened, uh, the guy who was going to come down to uh, Texas for the Browns Cowboys game, he streams a lot of stuff. And I was in his chat Friday, just kind of talking football with him and all this stuff. And there were some Boston fans in there who were complaining about the the Patriots season and the crappy year they're having. And I was like, bro, I've had two decades of bad teams, and you're complaining because you've had one? You've got, like, he because he was even talking about he's a Red Sox and a Bruins fan as well. So he's like, yeah, we've had, like, whatever it's been. I think he said it was, like, 12 championships in the past 15 years, something like that. I'm like, dude, I'd give my left nut right now for a championship in Cleveland in the next 12 years. Like, come on, bro seriously so yeah they're spoiled and so i don't feel bad for them one bit i hope they suck for the next two decades uh, that's my personal opinion on that anyways newton 18 points damian harris 16 and jacoby myers 13 uh harris definitely looked good on sunday had a nice uh 20 yard 20 yard plus actually touchdown run i feel like as soon as we as soon as his words come out of my mouth he's gonna end up sitting on the bench for the next three weeks but is damian harris becoming the guy for the new england patriots backfield I think so. You know, he's gotten a good share. It hasn't always resulted in great results, but the Patriots offense in general has been pretty poor, but he seems to have a pretty consistent role. The big question will be the same thing that unfortunately plagued Ronald Jones when Fournette was out is what happens when Sony Michelle comes back? Do they love Harris right now because he's there or do they love Harris? And that we'll find out uh, a little further on, but he seems to be a more solid bet than Burkhead or James White, because White has been really traditionally made a lot of his points in the passing game, and they have no passing game. Yeah, it's obviously for someone, you know, as I've mentioned many a times now in the past few weeks, someone who traded for Harris, I would love for him to have a good game here. Uh, you know, he'd have been really great to play over Deontay Johnson yesterday, who got me a whopping one point as well, who was in that trade. Uh I'd love to see it. You know, we, we talked about it when he came out, uh, me and Dennis, because I don't think you had joined the podcast yet. Like, we both liked him coming out. I, I thought he was actually going to end up being better than Sony Michelle. We talked about this year being the year for Damien Harris. Not overall, because I did think Sony Michelle was a talented back coming out, but the knee injury, he has the same injury as Todd Gurley does, which 
we heard them talking about on the Thursday night football game. It just it, that knee injury continues to bother him. I think the same thing's going to happen with Sony Michelle. Whereas this definitely seemed to be the year for Harris to kind of take over the backfield if he was getting the carries. And it is nice to see him getting those, but I agree with you. It's something we kind of have to be worried about because we know eventually it looks like at least Sony Michelle is going to return. And once he does, what does that mean for Damian Harris? But maybe now you can go ahead and throw him in your lineups. I'm still not feeling that great uh, about that. Let's see here. 49ers, 24-20 over the Browns in the Super Bowl. Maybe. That's Paul. We have a Madden game tonight for the Super Bowl. He's the 49ers, and I am the Browns. Uh, I think so, I was going to say, if you're picking it for real life, the 49ers may not hold up that yeah. end of the bargain. Yeah, you, you may be right, Paul. I'm uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous. I always suck when I haven't played anybody yet. First time playing them, I always tend to, to blow it. That's why David killed me the first time we played each other. But... We'll see. That'll be happening right after this podcast is over today. Uh, on the Bills side, Josh Allen, 12 points. Zach Moss, 20. Devin Singletary, 10. And Stephon Diggs, 15. The Bills running game got going yesterday, and both backs look solid. Are you are you trusting either one of them moving forward? Yeah, I mean, they both looked good running. Both had in the 80-yard neighborhood. Uh, I think upper 80s, like around 86. Uh, But Moss got the two touchdowns, which kind of separates him uh, from Singletary. And that was kind of a concern going through. It seemed like Singletary was getting a lot of between-the-20s work, but Moss was a better shot at the goal line. The other goal line carry, of course, going to Josh Allen. Um, So it was good to see them getting the running going. You would figure with the weather in Buffalo in November and December, they were probably looking to uh, solidify their ground game. To me, it probably means – I'm more interested in Moss as a flex right now. I need to see more consistently probably from Singletary before I'm throwing him out there. Because, you know, 10 points is flexible, especially with the yeah. state of running backs right now. Yeah, it's – um, I feel like, you know, as you were just kind of mentioning there, Moss is kind of the guy I want now at this point because he's getting that goal line work. Like, he's going to – I, I want to say he's going to be vultured by Josh Allen, but we've really only seen it, what, two this year? I think he only has two rushing touchdowns. He doesn't have many. He, he's, yeah. he came out and said earlier this year he did not want to run as much, and we've seen that even back in the beginning part of the season when he was throwing the ball a lot. He still wasn't doing a ton of running. Were you able to pull it up? I'm just I'm guessing. I'm up right now. Okay, I'm say, I honestly have no idea. I know for sure he's got at least two, and one of them came yesterday, but I can't think of how many more he's gotten off the top of his head. So, I know he hasn't gotten any since yesterday since I traded for him. That seems to be the thing. I'm just going to let you guys know when I trade for players, and you guys need to know to avoid them as much as possible because everybody I've traded for this year has sucked. He has four rushing touchdowns four. this year. Okay. Gotcha. All right, so four. That's not so – you know, he's, he's about on track because he had eight first year, nine in the second year. He gets about eight a year. We're about halfway through the season, and he's sitting on, on four. But – the question will be, does his rate slow down a little bit? Moss was out for three or four games. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like, even with no competition, it doesn't seem like Singletary is the guy they're looking for in the red zone because we had that game was against the Raiders where they threw TJ Yeldon in there when Moss was not available. So yeah. it just doesn't seem like Singletary is really going to be part of the goal line plan, which means – if you're hoping he's getting a touchdown, it's going to be from probably 25 yards or better. And they don't seem like that kind of an explosive offense uh, with backs. You know, we've had a couple long passes with Brown or Davis or 
gigs, but it doesn't seem like you're, you know, it's not like Kamara back there who might break one for 45 yards and touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but I almost feel like you can almost count on that not happening for Singletary, but maybe once this year. He he doesn't have that necessary home run speed that I would think of like with a Kamara, like you were just mentioning, that can break it from the line. So unless we're talking about he's on like the twenty or thirty yard line, I don't expect, uh, I don't expect that to happen. Bengals and Titans in this one, 31-20. Tannehill, 17 points. Henry, 17. A.J. Brown, 12. Corey Davis, 26. And John New Smith, just 4.9. Should we start worrying about the Titans, number one, with them having a couple bad games in a row, but also Corey Davis quietly having that Devontae Parker fifth-year breakout. He has not gone under 11 fantasy points in a single game so far this season. Yeah, Corey Davis has been solid. and. uh was it i think it was friday when we were talking about it he was the one that i thought uh, could be a, a sneaky play out of the rest of that group i'm a little concerned about the titans they've been starting slow in some of these games and having to try to come back their defense does not seem to be as solid uh, as it had been in years past and i think that puts a lot more pressure on them um they're still producing on offense uh it does uh I am a little concerned about Johnny Smith. I don't know if he's still a little gimpy, but uh, he's been out there the past few games. They're just not getting the ball to him a lot. But Davis has seemed like a pretty steady play, even with Brown back and in action, and even with uh, with uh, Henry running strong. Yeah, I mean, Corey Davis, we, we kind of – I feel like – we haven't really talked about him much, to be honest. I, I feel like at the beginning of the year, we all kind of joked about him having that fifth-year breakout, and it is kind of happening for him. It really is. And in all honesty, not any better time for him as well with him being in a contract year. The Titans did not pick up his fifth-year option, so he will become a free agent. And he, he's he been surprisingly good. He, I'm with you. He's kind of a guy that you can trust uh, – I'm not necessarily worried about the Titans. I wonder how much that two-week layoff has kind of messed them up a little bit. You know, you would think that football players' two-week layoffs would help them. But as something we've seen, and sometimes in the playoffs, those teams that have buys sometimes come in flat-footed because they're not their training gets all out of whack. And especially this year, I mean, practice no practices look the same based on what's going on with COVID. But my biggest fear, I think, is Jonu Smith. I, I'm was having that breakout season earlier this year that I was all excited about and really has kind of fallen off the past three weeks. You know, I I, I want to blame it on the ankle injury he got a couple weeks ago, but he got completely removed off the injury list earlier this week. So to me, that says he was good to go, and yet he still struggled to kind of do anything. And I wonder if maybe that has something to do with the emergence of Corey Davis kind of coming on stronger and stronger here. Uh, on yeah. the on the Bengals side here, Burrow, 18 points, Geo, 22, Tyler Boyd, 19, T. Higgins, 14 and 8, Jake Green, 3. Are the Bengals starting to figure it out offensively? It seems like Brew, Bruo, Burrow has settled into a offensive groove here. Yeah, and I, I think they've been pretty solid the last couple of weeks. We're seeing uh, good production out of T. Higgins. He seems like he's solidified himself. Could be an every week start. Boyd has been very solid. <clears throat> They didn't really miss a beat when they've gone to Bernard from uh, Mixon the last two weeks. I actually almost think Bernard with his passing uh, efficiency fits a little bit better with what they're doing. The interesting question is green. We thought they might try to pump him up. That was the kind of their last game before the trade deadline. 
didn't really seem to happen. We actually saw Dennis's boy, Auden Tate, uh, get more involved, yep. uh, which could be a, just a sign that they're ready to move on from AJ Green, which has been the kind of visual uh, all season long. But Burrow seems like he's getting comfortable. They've been a, at least a fun team to watch. I thought yesterday was a really quality win for him. Yeah, I mean, it was not a win anybody expected either. I think a lot of, I mean, I think, I'm, I would have, almost imagine everybody in both of our groups picked the Titans to win that game. I don't think anybody was really talking about the Bengals pulling that off. I mean, I said it on the uh, Browns podcast that I do last week or two weeks ago, whenever they played the Bengals, I can't even remember right now, but they, um, two weeks ago, yeah, they, they've looked, you know, I, I said then that I almost think it's not just the Browns that Burrow was looked at good against. He's looked at good against everybody. I think a lot of that too comes out to the whole fact that he's, in my opinion, been like one of the best anticipatory throwers out of the out of college. Yeah, and I mean he's looked really good. He had four hundred yards. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yesterday, uh, going pretty strong. The Titans' defense. If I'm a Titans fan, you know I think it looked like yesterday. We'll get to the Colts game a little bit later, but they moved up into a tie. Uh, so. And, you know, the Titans are going to have to work to win their own division. That defense not looking uh, super incredible right now. Yeah, I mean, they just made the trade for Desmond King, so we'll see if that helps them uh, at all. That secondary, I think, has kind of been the worst part about it. It's one of those teams that I don't think we've talked enough about that it seems like you can actually throw on them and get um, and actually get fantasy points and, and your offenses can kind of get going against them, which is not something we saw last year. Um, yeah, it, it's... I wouldn't say time to panic necessarily just yet with the Titans, but yeah, it's um, going to be interesting moving down the stretch. But Cincinnati, it'll be interesting to see how much Geo gets involved now with Mixon possibly coming back this week. Because I agree with you, he's looked really good in the passing game. But we've also kind of seen this as well out of Geo the past couple of years where he he steps in for uh, – why do I want to keep saying Burrow? He steps in for Mixon for a couple games and has like those really good games but then kind of kind of falls off. So I, I'd love to see him stay involved. The frustration, too, is is not just that he's come in and looked good. It's that we've talked about Mixon had that one game where he exploded for 42 points. But then we've had just a ton of games that have been, you know, lower. It feels like when Gio steps into his place, he has a more stable floor. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think a lot of that comes from the, from the receiving game because we don't see that that much from Joe Mixon where – I think we can all admit that offensive line is is beat up and just not good. So if you're not really getting a lot of rushing yards, which if you go and look, Gio's doing most of his work in the receiving game. He's not getting, I think yesterday only had 60 rushing yards. So it's not like he's doing a lot on the ground, but he's getting those receptions. I know last week he got the, I think it was a receiving touchdown as well uh, against the Browns or two weeks ago, whenever it was, he started against the Browns, yeah. he got that receiving touchdown. And getting touchdowns, he's consistently been getting the touchdowns, which helps, I think, with a lot of things. Who has the better night tonight, Evans or Scotty Miller? Man, that's a tough one. I think Scotty. Uh, he just seems to be coming on with um, with Brady a little bit more. I could see Evans, but I have. With Godwin and AB coming, coming on, potentially. Godwin coming back and AB potentially coming on next week and after kind of the lackluster couple of games where they haven't gotten Evans involved, I think they're going to make an effort to get him the ball tonight and to build him up so that he doesn't kind of get hung out to dry. 
Miller had yeah. a huge game last week. I think it's going to be more Gronkowski and Evans tonight, and I think they're going to run because the Giants are terrible. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about them is who is their cornerback that's actually kind of good. That's that's what I'm I'm down five. He's got Scotty. I've got Evans. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I hate to say this, Edits, but I'm kind of rooting against you as well because I'm up 12 going up against Evans tonight. Well, no I'm, I'm kind of hoping Evans doesn't I'm do up, anything. I'm uh, up 17, and my boss has Scotty Miller and the Buccaneers defense, and I have nothing. So I'm hoping yeah. Scotty Miller turns in a bagel. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the crazy thing is I could see either one of them. That's the thing, like, because Evans, I think – I just don't see him doing like I don't see him getting some like f- five to seven catch hundred yard game. It's going to be something where he gets you like two touchdowns and thirty yards. It just seems kind of be where he's at right now. And but for, for fantasy scoring, that could be oh right yeah for fantasy that's amazing. But that also worries me because I kind of feel like that's also where Gronk is kind of becoming down in the red zone yeah. as well. So is it a Gronk game or is it an Evans game? And whoever it is is going to kill the other one. So it, it's hard for me. Bradbury covering Evans. That's who I was about to bring up. Bradbury will be on Evans and Bradbury has been the one good part of the Giants defense. They haven't had anything uh-huh. outside of Bradbury and, and they have said that he's going to be shadowing Evans tonight. So that does worry me a little bit, but I Evans mean- is, as much as I like we to hate seen, on Evans, it's good. We so. haven't really seen any uh, receivers get stymied by the Giants opening week. Johnson and Juju were both fine. When Dallas played them, all three Dallas receivers made huge plays against the Giants. When they played the Eagles last week, Fulgham and Ward both killed the Giants. So I haven't – Bradbury might be their best guy, but I haven't seen him exactly take away anyone. We'll see. We'll see. I I think it could happen. He's the reason I dropped Evans in my rankings uh, this week. Oh, the offensive just out, just downpour, just like the snow and ice and sleet that came down in Cleveland. The 16-6 win for the Raiders here against the Browns. I was going to say the Raiders weren't that great either. It was horrible. It It was just a bad game all around. Carr, 12 points. Jacobs, 12 points. Hunter Renfro, bullshit, 12 points. He should have only had six points. That was not a touchdown. And Darren Waller, seven points in this one. Uh, You know, I talked about it on Friday. I mentioned it again on Twitter for the people who were following me because there's a lot of people talking about a Aguilar-Carr stack. I said not to do it. I get that a lot of people don't believe weather changes NFL games that much, and I agree, except for when winds are 40 miles an hour. They were got up to 48 yesterday in Cleveland. That does affect even the Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes of the world that can throw it 100 miles an hour. Wind is a big effect when it comes to throwing the ball, and we saw that yesterday. Uh, the biggest thing for, for Oakland was their offensive line was just punishing the Browns' defensive line on almost every run in the second half. They held the ball for almost 40 minutes. The Browns had, I believe it was like 13 minutes of possession time yesterday. It was bad. The, the Raiders controlled that clock. Hunter Renfro, again, I think had a bullshit touchdown. It, was, it hit the ground and moved back up into his hand, but because they said it wasn't conclusive enough, they held it regardless Jacobs does look, I would say, okay in this game. The Browns, better. he he really kind of came on late when when the Browns, they were just defeated at that point. So they were beating him up. There were a lot earlier in the game. I thought actually, much probably to your chagrin, Dev- uh, Booker looked better than Jacobs at times in that game. And, and Rashard had I actually Rashard. like Booker. 
Oh, did you? Okay. I wasn't sure if you if you liked him or not, but he actually, I thought, looked better at times yesterday until the end of the game when Jacobs really started breaking off some big runs. I think Booker might be better than Royce Freeman, let me tell you that. Uh, yeah, it's a couple of, you know, if you're a Raiders uh, fan, it was probably good even if it came later in the game to see Jacobs back up over 100 uh, yards. And we talked about it on Friday. He'd only had 500-yard games in 20 games played. It's nice to see him going. Browns have a better defensive front. I was a little surprised they couldn't get Aguilar the ball at all, but I feel like with the Raiders receivers, anytime you think you've figured it out, they're, they're about to screw you because just about the time you give up on Hunter Renfro, he has a game like that, and then you're like, well, maybe he's the guy, and I bet he has like 2.5 points combined for the next three games until he has some kind of bounce-off-the-ground touchdown. But you're right, Aguilar probably for them has been more of a deep threat, and that wasn't yeah. the kind of game they were having. Carr only threw for 112 yards. It was not yeah. – the Raiders won, but it was not an impressive offensive game for either team. Yeah, I would say if you – you know, someone who – if you have Aguilar, I would not be at all, uh, you know, defeated or whatever by this game. In fact – the drive, I, I don't know if anybody saw it. I actually do think that was a touchdown. Was uh, He threw a pass to Henry Ruggs in the back of the end zone, which was the play right after they pulled Aguilar out. Like He was running in those spots, and then he came out. I, I looked like just to get a, a get a breath or whatever, and then Ruggs comes in, gets the break. So they were targeting him downfield early. The problem was that win picked up bad. Like In the second half, almost the entire second half, it was sleeting. Winds got up to like 42 miles an hour. Then it broke a little bit in the third and then right back toward the end of third and almost the entire fourth, same thing. So it was literally just a run game on both sides. I mean, that game was, I kid you not. So I, I go central time. Most games central time early window end around 3.30 to 3.40, give or take how many breaks you have in it. The Browns game was over yesterday at like 2.40. Like it was over so quickly because that's all the teams were doing was running, running, running. Like I don't know. When they went to halftime yesterday, there were still early window games that were like had 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Like it was the game flew by, you know, Renfro, I'll say I would not buy into that at all. It, it was a very fluky touchdown and, and he just, they lined it up perfectly. It was a very quick slant. I want to say it was like five yards out. He just quick slant right to the end zone and Carr just, I mean, he hit him with a fastball right in the chest and I still don't think he caught it, but outside of that, he was not involved really in the game much. They were really kind of targeting Waller a lot and then it was all Jacobs. Uh, so, so it sounds know. like for the Browns, you know, obviously tough kind of just a tough day that it was probably the game where you most miss Chubb because if you're just trying to ground and pound, he's probably a better ground and pounder than hunt. Here's, here's the bad part I think for that game. And this is why if anybody follows me on Twitter, they saw how pissed off I was after that game. Like I am happy that we are sitting at five and three going into the bye, but we outplayed the Raiders yesterday. We should be six and two. We had a there was a lot of bad drops yesterday. Landry had the drop touchdown. Harrison Bryant had the dropped uh pat or not dropped. He caught it and then fumbled it, which gave the Raiders uh, their first set of points to go up as well on us. So I think they went to six at that point. Uh, Injoku had a crucial 
On the drive that ended up allowing the Raiders to drive down the field and score, the Browns got into the red zone. Baker Mayfield hit Njoku on a six-yard out, and it literally hit Njoku right in the chest, and he dropped it. That would put them into the thing. And then maybe the Raiders still go down and score, but likely at that point, because Cody Parkey, this was the third quarter, uh, Cody Parkey was kicking into the good side of the field where he had already made a field goal. So that, that at least that point they go up nine and then even if the Raiders go down, it's still 16 to nine. So you have a better chance of going down and scoring, but Browns had a lot of crucial drops, but yes, that yesterday was the first game that we really missed Chubb because while I love hunt and I'm glad that the Browns signed him, I think he's, you know, you go and look at his stats. I saw a lot of Browns fans complaining about hunt. He's been a top, he's been the top five rusher in the NFL since Chubb went out. He's been good. He's just not the same kind of runner as Chubb. Chubb breaks some of the runs that we saw Hunt could not do yesterday. Hunt's more of a finesse runner. Chubb is that downhill power runner with speed. So, And I'll, I'm going to be honest, I think we missed Odell a lot yesterday too. Odell is one of those guys that you can also get, You know, as we saw in the Dallas game. Odell is one of those guys that you can find a way to manufacture touches to him that can make that big play that ends up winning you the game like he did against Dallas with that run. I think they could have done the same thing yesterday, but we didn't have them. So yesterday was that first day game. I think that they really missed Chubb and OBJ, and it cost them. It, it cost them big. Obviously, you know, going into the bye, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I still think you can rely on Hunt. I'm a little bit down on Jarvis right now. I, I want to see what happens with him coming up. This is the third week in a row. He's had multiple drops, and, and and I think some of it has to do with the rib injury, but I'm a little bit worried about that. Do you think uh, Chubb comes back week 10? I do. They, um, Stefanski has already been talking about, they've all along expected him to be able to come back and start practicing this week. And I do think not only not, they're not looking at this from a fantasy perspective, but from the NFL side of the Texans having such a bad rush defense, I think that's the game that they want to get him out there. I don't think he'll come back and be a hundred percent. You're right back as the lead guy. I do think it'll be probably still a 60 40 split with hunt hunt getting the 60, the first game back. But I think that, they will plan on having him back in uh, in week 10 there against um, against the Texans. So from the most disappointing game of the day for you to the second most disappointing game of the day. Yeah, I hated watching this game. I'm not even going to lie. And I, I had it up on my laptop, and I was just extremely frustrated. Colts win this one 41-21. to A 62-point score here. And Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, who I think are the best running backs on both their respective teams, do absolutely nothing. It's just ridiculous. Uh, on the uh, Colts side here, Rivers 22 points, Hines 21, Wilkins 20, Taylor 5, Trey Burton 10, and Jack Doyle 9.8. is a big day for the running backs here. Obviously, uh, Taylor not that big. Um, are you worried about his production going forward? I, I will say... Going into today, I was. I, you know, we've talked about it for a couple weeks now. Frank Reich, I just feel like is just, just toying with us at this point. Uh, but then he came out, and Philip Rivers both came out in press conferences or, or something today, talking about the fact that he actually had an ankle injury yesterday, which is what led to him not getting as many touches. So, makes a little bit more sense now why Wilkins was out there so much. Uh, you know, I know we have a good friend on the show here, Tony, who is a massive Colts fan, and we were talking in the group chat, and he didn't even know why why Taylor was not getting touches there. And I will say some of it did seem fluky. There was the one touchdown, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, where they had Taylor in there, and for whatever reason on that play, the Lions just hit all the holes, nothing. Taylor couldn't go anywhere. And then on the next play, it was like the parting of the Red Sea, and Wilkins was able to get into the end zone because they pulled Taylor out. So 
leading into this game, Taylor was getting more touches than anybody else. Wilkins had kind of become a non-factor the last two weeks. So I do want to believe that the ankle injury was the cause, but I'm also not 100% sure I, I'm well, going to believe that. They've been using three running backs. Um, so I, I mean, first of all, let's toss out Hines. He's going to have these games every once in a while. He had one week one. Uh, you know, it was a, a good game opportunity. He got a couple of touchdowns. Okay. The split between Taylor and Wilkins, let's hope maybe the ankle injury had something to do with it. But also, if you're talking about production going forward, this team has already had its bye week. So what is that, you know, if he's got an ankle injury that's limiting his touches, are we going to see more of a split for a few weeks? How long? Uh, their offense got 41 points yesterday. They haven't been that efficient, uh, you know, in a lot of the games. So he's not always the greatest bet for touchdowns. He hasn't seemed like a great bet for a hundred yards. I like the talent, but this is a, you know, a weird offense to watch. And I don't know if they have a true identity. Um, you know, we've talked about how T.Y. Hilton has almost no, fantasy value anymore because of this yeah. offense. Pittman came back yesterday, didn't do a lot. They hit both tight end. They hit two tight ends, neither of which was Mo Alley Cox, who looked like the guy for a while and now has just disappeared. This is a team there. They have like 12 skill position players and they're all going to be involved every week and good luck figuring out who, who it's going to be. It seemed like Taylor was at least getting a lion's share of the carries. That wasn't even true yesterday. We'll have to see you know, watch injury reports, practice reports, but, you know, I know you had super high hopes that, you know, rookie of the year kind of hopes could be a top 10 running back. Right now, I'm not sure he's even tracking to be safely in the RB2 range. That's what I was about to pull up because I know coming into this week, he was sitting at 11 or 12, so he was still all right in there, and I had him at 12, and I just think he's too talented to say he won't, but it, the touches does scare me, and I'm with you. I think we have to pay attention to the the uh, practice reports and, and the injury stuff this week because if they end up coming out, say, Friday, and by, hey, Jonathan Taylor's a full go, his ankle's fine, I think you still have to start him. He's just – he's too good. But at the same time, I am I think I'm downgrading my hopes on him being that RB1 that I, I was hoping he could be every single week and maybe more of like a middle-tier RB2 at best right now because if they're still going to work in Hines or – or Wilkins, it's going to kill his value. And Trey Burton, who got a rushing touchdown for God knows what reason yesterday. Like, well, the only reason you know to be somewhat optimistic is the position more than any year in the past has been a dice roll. Outside of an Alvin Kamara or a Derrick Henry, you have not had a lot of consistency. Even guys that have huge ceilings like Aaron Jones are missing time. Ezekiel Elliott, you'd think he'd be just tearing it up. You know, it's been tough. Ronald Jones looks like a world beater. So, of course, they give half his carries to Leonard Fournette's corpse. So, you know, I don't know. It, it That's that's the only benefit for Jonathan Taylor is he's not alone. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, I don't even want to talk about fucking Zeke Elliott right now. That dude is just – he looks like he's mailing it in. So, this is half-point PPR, which I imagine is not going to change much for Jonathan Taylor because I know he doesn't have a ton of receptions. Uh, but he is sitting right now as he's dropped all the way to RB21. Now, he is only 
16 points behind RB12 right now. So he's not far out of it. But uh, obviously, James Conner coming on the way that he did. Ronald Jones, you've got David Montgomery, Darrell Henderson, Joe Mixon, Johnson. Miles Gaskin now has jumped up over him as well. So those are kind of the guys that, that have just kind of moved ahead of him of late, which all had decent games this past weekend as well compared to his five-point outing. On Detroit side here, Stafford 22, DeAndre Swift 5, Marvin Jones 18. Um, I don't even remember what this dude's first name. It's Marvin Hall, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's Marvin Hall. Yeah. Marvin Hall 15 and TJ Hawkinson 13. Tough day for the Lions here. We saw uh, even though Galladay went out with the injury, was not doing much beforehand either. Like he he didn't do much before going out with the injury, which obviously kills you. Uh, but carry on gets a touchdown here. Um, are we back to freaking out about Swift's usage again? Well, so two weeks ago, he had a big breakout, and they immediately said in the aftermath of that that they needed to increase his touches and he was the guy. And everything they've done on the field since then seems to – to indicate the opposite right up to carry on Johnson getting the uh, fantasy zombie touchdown there uh, yesterday. So that's, you know, he's in a terrible uh, usage triangle. It definitely feels like vintage Patriots right now, you know, where uh, Jonas Gray's the man he scored four touchdowns. We're of course going to go to him and you never hear from him again. Yeah, again, another reason why I've sent that petition around the internet to fire Matt Patricia. Please sign it. I'm, the, I'm Lions, the Lions piss me off in general. They look like a competent yeah. team sometimes, and you're like, hey, they're going good. They're making their run, and then they just left a brown streak all over the field yesterday. The Colts' yeah. offense has not been good all season. You let them score 41 flipping points. Yeah, You didn't even let the Falcons score that many points. Like, and I, I seriously am saying this and not a jest of because I like DeAndre Swift so much. Like, I just, I don't think Matt Patricia is a good coach. I think we've seen it for the past couple of years. Like, it's insane to me, and I'm probably going to get the name wrong. I'm, I'm really trying to remember who it was. Shit, who was their last head coach? Uh, Caldwell. Caldwell, that's right. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. He had them, didn't he make the playoffs his final year? I think they got bounced in the first round. Or so I know he had a winning record because everybody was kind of like, "Wow, they're really they're they're firing Jim Caldwell after having a winning record there in Detroit and bringing in Matt Patricia." Yeah. Now, I, go ahead. So he was thirty six and twenty eight, making him uh, the first Detroit head coach who lasted at least one season to have a winning record since Joe Schmidt who led the team from 1967 to 1972. His 563 winning percentage was the best for a Lions head coach since Buddy Parker in the 1950s. Yeah, I mean, he was good. And then everybody's kind of like, okay, like, because their defense was the problem back then too. Matt, that was this Matt Stafford. Yeah. Matt Stafford's always been putting up points. So you are right that uh, the last his last year, they went nine and seven, but it was widely considered a disappointment um, because they missed the playoffs yeah. <clears throat> thanks to a mediocre second half. They got eliminated uh, by the 5-9 and nine Bengals. Yeah, but how close, is, uh, and how close has Matt Patricia come to 9-7? to nine and seven? No, he hasn't. He no, hasn't been good, but that's my point. That's my point, though. They considered a nine and it was seven. Caldwell's record. first season, they were eleven and five, made the playoffs as a wild card, gotcha. and then he was nine and seven. So in sixteen two thousand fifteen, they got off to a rough start, and he finished seven and nine. So his worst record 
was seven and nine, and in four years he was over five hundred three times. I bet you are right that they look back on that and think we are dumbasses because I, what's Patricia's best record? This is his third season, right? His first season with like five or six. I think six yeah. wins the most he's had. Yeah, well, I'll look up this. Yeah, that's my point. That's that's my argument against it. Like. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly at the time, because Caldwell's always kind of been known as more of an offensive guy, was okay, they're bringing in that defensive guy, right, to change the mindset because Caldwell's a player's coach, bringing in a guy who's going to be rough and tough and, and play defense, and then the defense has sucked every single yeah. year. So they were 6-10 and 10 his first year, 3-12-1 and one last year. He is 12-26-1 as head coach of the Lions. Great move, Detroit. Y'all are looking really smart right now. See, I just don't... I don't I don't think it's going to end well. I mean, I know you and Dennis had them pretty high. I didn't have them I think I had them right around five hundred, but I did not have them win in a division. I did have them. That the honestly team. looks like my worst pick of the Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who like the Detroit Lions. Like I said I wasn't that far off from you guys, but I had Green Bay winning the division. I had Detroit as the second team, which that's obviously doesn't look like that's gonna happen with the way Chicago's playing. None of us were on Chicago, and I I was lowest on the Vikings, which Surprisingly enough, they beat the Packers yesterday. So that's, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's right. We can move on to uh, yeah. that well of sadness. Yeah, exactly. The Vikings 28, the Packers 22, Cousins 10 points, Dalvin freaking Cook, who, of course, I was playing up against yeah. in a bunch of leagues yesterday. Prayers up if you were playing against him because that yeah, was good. You know, the well, I'll save it for a minute, but Dalvin Cook 48 points, Adam Thielen five, and Justin Jefferson five as well. Uh, Cooks look like an absolute beast. He always seems to do this against the Packers. So, anytime, yeah. just if you own Dalvin Cook, look and see what weeks the Vikings are playing the Packers and just know you've got the dub that week because he's just unstoppable against them. Um, but what, what are you? Are the Vikings starting to turn it on? Do you think that was just a against the Packers game? I mean, in my opinion, they haven't really looked great outside of this game this week. Yeah, and it, it seemed like they had sort of given up on the season. They started trading off uh, players, you know, and there was even some rumblings, you know, are they going to try to trade Cousins? Are they going to try to trade Thielen and just kind of go all in on on giving up on this year? And then they roll out there and Dalvin Cook gives you four touchdowns and just destroys green bay still they're two and five and the nfc honestly i think 10 wins is a minimum to make a wild card because if you look at the nfc west every team is 500 or better you look at the nfc south you have uh you know carolina has has you know stumbled a little bit but you still have two teams going up aside from the nfc east there are a lot of teams that are kind of in contention and they're still in last place in their own division for as bad as we've talked about how Detroit has played. Minnesota is still freaking a game back of the Detroit lions right now. So they still have a long way to come. They're two and five. You would figure they've probably got to win at least eight of the next nine of the last nine games. If they want to make a serious playoff, but I don't know if we've seen that kind of consistency. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they win maybe two more games. I'm just, I haven't been in on them. You know, unfortunately, if they do win a couple more, Mike Zimmer's probably going to keep his job, which I, I don't think is smart, as I mentioned earlier in the year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, though, I mean, just just props to him. I think that's what killed Thielen and Jefferson, too, so I wouldn't panic about that. Well, they didn't guys. have to pass. I yeah. mean, if you're running for, 
And that was the thing. Cook got a receiving touchdown uh, down by the goal line, which is bad luck for the receivers. But he ran for, I think, 170 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to throw. 150 all-purpose yards. He was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he got the screen pass that was a 50-yard touchdown. I was watching it happen, and I was throwing stuff around my house because I was playing him in my main dynasty league. And, like, I had Adams going off in that game. So I was like, all right, here we go. This is what I need. And then Dalvin Cook's doing everything. I was like, you got to be kidding me. What the hell? So, yeah, it was – it was not a fun day. Uh, on uh, Green Bay side here, Rodgers, 22 points. Jamal Williams, 18. Devontae Adams, 30. And Robert Tunyon, I'm sorry, 12 points. Adams goes off again, but the supporting cast just isn't reliable. Do you think the Packers make a trade this week? We did see, finally, Equinemius St. Brown out there. Uh, had a big drop in the end zone, but did make a big key third down catch as well. That ended up leading to them getting a touchdown. Which was kind of surprising to me because we don't see Rodgers trust those guys that much. But clearly, outside of Adams, they just don't have a lot producing. Well, I mean, they, they, he was thrown to Equinemius St. Brown a couple weeks ago, too. The thing is, I don't think Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez Scantling are consistent enough. The question is, you know, they, they have some players coming back potentially from injury. Obviously, Jones gives them a lift, but we have seen Jamal Williams be a fairly steady fill-in. So I don't think like they have gotten a zero production um, from there. So are they content to wait for Lazard and think that that's going to make enough of a difference? Or there have been rumblings for last week that they're looking at Will Fuller or somebody like that that can take the top off the defense that might actually be a player. My, my concern, I guess, if I was – watching the Packers is just what you mentioned. Rogers seems to take a really long time to kind of develop that trust and rapport. And just because you trade for a big name receiver doesn't mean he actually throws him the ball. So would it be yeah. kind of a waste of a trade? I we've thought going back to the draft that they needed to get another weapon in there. They look like they were able to skirt around it early in the season. Lazard and um, MVS were making enough plays but in a couple of these crucial games, they got buried by Tampa Bay because Rodgers kept trying to force the ball to Adams. Those interceptions, the one that got returned for a touchdown and the other one, were, were to Adams. And yet yesterday, they need some other kind of weapon, it seems like. And they just they don't have it. And maybe it's if Jones was there, maybe it is enough with the two of them. But it just feels a little thin to me for a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I'd love for them to trade Will Fuller for Will Fuller because I think that just means Adams is going to be so much better. Because then you actually have to pay attention to Will Fuller, and I feel like that's what Aaron Rodgers wants is just to get that one-on-one coverage with Adams because Adams will beat it because he's such a good route runner and he's just going to keep slinging it to Adams. Well, and Jones will beat it too when he when he's in there. They use him in the in the slot too. If you have, I mean, that from that standpoint, it's probably worth it just to pull people off. I just don't know the the other trade that I saw Green Bay fans pushing for after that game with the Texans is to get Randall Cobb back. Now, what makes that more interesting to me is you're talking about a guy who has been a decent producer the last couple of years who has that rapport. Aaron, that's not trading for a guy from outside that Aaron Rodgers has to get to know. That's trading for a guy that he's had. He may not draw defenses exactly the same way as Will Fuller at first, but if he starts catching the ball and putting up yards, I mean, he went off against Green Bay. 
Yeah. And obviously, we, we saw a couple trades go down today. Nothing really big fantasy-wise. If anything goes down, we'll talk about it tomorrow. It's, I think the deadline's at 4 Eastern. Yeah, so it should but, be by the time we go on the air. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be over way before. We, we'll probably go on our usual time tomorrow, 4, 4.30. So, yeah, it, it'll be way over with by then. So, we'll be able to kind of react to everything. Uh, Chiefs don't quite beat the Jets as much as I thought they were going to. 35-9 to nine was actually a game for quite a while. I was, it got to a point where I was actually kind of hoping the Jets pulled the upset just because. Because I was, I was kind of it – was, it was getting interesting. But uh, on the Jets' side here, uh, Darnold, seven points. P. Ryan, five. Denzel Mims, six. And Barrios, 11. Is there anybody reliable to play on the Jets? I, I will say this. I really do think Adam Gates is just a horrible coach because Denzel Mims looked good in the first half, and maybe it was the coverage just taking him away. I don't know, but he seemed almost non-existent in the second half. Gates, Gates is not calling the plays anymore. Know, so that's the, that's the thing. Like He gave play-calling duty away, and they almost look worse. So maybe he wasn't exactly wrong, but you, you have a point about Mims. Somebody else pointed out on Twitter he had two receptions for 62 yards on the first two drives, and they targeted him one time the rest of the game. That's that's terrible. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs' defense is exactly that good. We've seen other teams be able to run on Kansas City. I mean, Denver ran all over them the week before. They couldn't get anything going with Gore. Pirine is not consistent. I I still kind of like Crowder when he plays because he seemed to be a little bit matchup proof. He would get the 11 catches Barrios had, but he would actually be able to take it for more than 30 yards. I mean, that's Braxton Barrios basically had that uh, that Crowder game. He just got no yardage. Um, but they they look so bad, just so so. They need a game with the Cowboys so that we can so that we can feel good about playing both teams. We'll be like. Boys, this is the Trevor Lawrence Bowl. Get out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. If Crowder's out there, he's the only one I'm trusting. Outside of that, I mean, Mims has looked good. I'd like to see him continue to get more involved in the offense, but at this point, I, just, I don't think you can trust him. Uh, you have to wonder if maybe he has a little bit of a limited route tree in the offense because he missed so much time, too. Maybe it, there's only certain plays that are working, and you know yeah. he hit a couple of those plays, but – it didn't look good on a couple of those. I, that was the only other thought I had, not to make excuses for a coach. No, that yeah, does, I got you. I, but the Jets look like they're mailing it in. We've talked about the Cowboys looking like they're mailing it in. The Jets, yeah. they don't have a pulse, and they trade anyone. Anyone who looks like they're a good player gets traded. Yeah, it's – Or I don't at least what to think. I, I don't, honestly don't know what to think with the Jets. It's It's – yeah. Uh, Mahomes, 36 points, CEH, 6, Bell, 6, Tyreek Hill, 25, Miko Hardman, 22, and Kelsey, 24. So I want to say because of all the passing, that kind of went out the window of the Bell revenge game there. You know, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I know it was you. You broke my heart. <laughs> I'm giving you the kiss of death. because, And that revenge game narrative, I wrote about this in my Monday column. There were two big revenge game narratives about running backs facing their former team. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell was the third best rusher on his own team yesterday. I mean, four backs carried the ball. He had the third most rushing yards among backs. He ends up a little bit over CEH in points because he had those receptions, but that was incredibly depressing after watching him. Denver has a better rush defense, and he had 39 yards on six carries. But then the other revenge game when we get to Denver, Melvin Gordon, who they were like, he's going to tear up his old team. No, he ain't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. 
you know, I, I talked about it before. I did not think that this was going to be huge. I don't think any of us really <laughs> big on Bell taking much away from CEH. I, you know, I said I thought it hurt both of them equally, and that really seems to be playing out so far. Yeah. So, unfortunately. As somebody who played both uh, in several different places, <laughs> I felt the pain equally. Yeah. Uh, probably the most surprising game of the weekend, I think. Dolphins 28 over the Rams 17. Uh, golf 10 points in this one with four turnovers. And, or four, I think, I know he had four at yeah. least. Did he get any more? No, I think it was four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Henderson, who ended up getting injured in this one, just six points. Uh, but Robert Woods and Cooper Cup come through for you in garbage time. 28 for Woods, Cup 22. You know, is this just what we're hoping for now? A bunch of garbage time production forcing Goff to throw the ball? And also, if the Rams' backfield wasn't hard enough to figure out, Robert Woods is their best running back, apparently, because he's the one that gets all the rushing touchdowns like he did yesterday again. So, uh, you know, if you are Cam Akers truther, it's probably nice to see him get a few carries, but he didn't do a ton with it, and he's still clearly behind Brown and – Henderson, I think he only got out there because of Henderson's injury. That'll probably bear watching. Um, but the Rams, actually, their offense exploded. They put up over 400 yards. They just kept turning the ball over and not getting enough. I mean, if ever there was a game yesterday where uh, the winning team looked like they should have gotten buried, it was the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'll be interested to see, do do you know, because I haven't looked much into it, do we know for sure what happened with Henderson, like how serious it is? Because I saw uh, Cam, a couple of the Cam Akers runs, and he looks really good. I mean, but he, he had nine carries and got 35 yards. I'm not, yeah. I'm not incredibly blown away. He probably had a couple. I'm, I'm going to look and see if they have an injury update. I saw him on the injury list. He was listed as questionable, which gotcha. – Made me think uh, it's not incredibly serious, but who knows? I mean, this year for injury has been rough because guys that practice all week, he was forced from the game with a thigh injury. I mean, that sounds to me like a little bit of a bruise, probably. Maybe he got a helmet helmet in the uh, lower region. But that could keep you out or keep you limited for a week or two if that bruise doesn't heal up because for a running back, that's where you're driving. On the Dolphins' side, two of five points, Miles Gaskin, 13, and Devontae Parker, seven. The Dolphins win, but two of really didn't look that good. Like, I... I know he had his first passing touchdown, which was cool to see. I saw a lot of people hyping that up. I don't think it was that great of a throw. Like Parker was really it was, a, it was the three three yard pass to Devontae. Yeah, Parker. I mean Parker Literally, really was one catch, three touchdown. That's his seven point three points, guys. But hey, pump the kid up. No, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him on the yeah. field, obviously playing football. As I know you are too. We kind of we talked about that. It was cool to see him get his first touchdown. But we talked about it Friday, too. We weren't expecting a huge game from him against this this Rams defense. I think next week well, is going to be... And the Rams beat themselves so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they had all the turnovers. The Dolphins scored a defensive touchdown, and they had a huge kickoff return touchdown. So the offense didn't really have to do a lot. Um, but that I saw everybody, oh, Tuo comes out and wins on in his first game. You know, he must he's probably he might be the best of the three. I'm like, not based on what I saw. 
it's not Justin Herbert's fault that his defense couldn't hold a, a fart against the wind, and it's Boring. not Burrow's fault that his defense is also putrid and plays in a tough division. Those guys have put up some incredible numbers and are not the reason their teams aren't winning. Tua was not terrible, but he wasn't the reason the Dolphins won that game. Yeah, and again, I'll give him a game. I will say that. You know, Herbert and and Burrow did come into the year fully healthy, so they don't have anything to worry about. Tua is coming off a very serious injury, the hip injury in college, obviously. They get the Cardinals next week, which is not necessarily a defense that scares you, so that is a game I'm, I'm looking forward to. Browns don't play this week, so that might be a game that I kind of tune into and watch a little bit, see how much Tua looks better. You know, I talked about it, I think, Tuesday or Monday last week or whatever it was when we found out too was actually going to be starting. They play the Chargers in a couple weeks. That'll be a fun game to watch him going up against Herbert here, kind of two of the rookies. But yeah, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not I'm not going to take too much out of this game because I do think the Rams defense is a really good, one of the better ones in the NFL. And you have them going up against a rookie quarterback who's really literally getting his first start. So I did think great. it was... It was neat. They had all the pregame, like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick wore a Hawaiian shirt and, you know, yeah. obviously was a little bit blindsided. We know how hurt he was, but he's been such a classy teammate. That was kind of fun to see. Yeah, he always has been. I think that's kind of what bothered everybody so much when they saw that happen because, like we had talked about, he was playing so good. Even we talked like, this makes no sense what they're doing right now. But, I mean, props to them. They won the game. They're in the playoff hunt. So, um, <laughs> Which it seemed like, so I don't know if you saw the report where they said uh, the plethora of picks that the Dolphins have going yeah, into the next year is one of the reasons they wanted to make the switch, which to me is like, hey, we're not actually trying to win. Uh, we want to keep building in the draft. And it's like, it feels like my fantasy team, I told you where I wasn't trying to win. And I look and I'm like, why do I have 160 points? <laughs> Well, I think like the GMs probably don't. I, 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 Brian Flores wants to win every game. I love that guy, man. Yeah. He is such a good head coach. I think he's already, and I, I hate to say this because as soon as I say this, I'm going to curse him and the Dolphins, but I feel like already he's proven he is the best guy coming off that Bill Belichick tree. He's better than what Bill O'Brien's. Well, maybe I should give Bill O'Brien a little bit of a credit. I mean, he's been good. You have so. to see him in the playoffs before yeah. you can really do it because Bill O'Brien had his teams frisky in the regular this year aside, you know, yeah. Bill O'Brien yeah, I mean, was not a good GM. Yeah. He was a horrible GM. He was a good coach. Yes. I, I will admit that. Uh, Steelers Ravens Steelers win 28, 24 big Ben, 15 points. James Connor, 15 points. Chase Claypool, 13 Juju Smith, Schuster, 13 Deontay broke back. Johnson one and Eric Ebron, 14, <laughs> Steelers have a lot of, I'm sorry, I just, this dude, it's a different injury every week, man. It drives driving me crazy. Steelers, uh, but that's not really what people think of when you say that phrase. Well, that is true. That is true. Well, it is for me, though, too, because I can't quit him, even though I know he's hurt every single week and he sucks, and yet I still put him in my lineup. And one, one point, man. Come on, one point. It's, and and you it know was what? looking like he was going to get a bagel all the way through. He got that catch late. Yeah. You know what the worst part about that is, too? I don't know if, if, if you've seen it. Have you seen the uh, replay of the Chase Claypool touchdown? Mm-hmm. So if you watch the beginning part of the play, it looks like it's supposed to be a wide receiver wide receiver screen to Deontay, and he's wide open. Like there's one player over there that Juju blocked, and it looked like he could have taken it. And then they throw it to Chase Claypool in the back of the end zone. I was like, I fucking hate you, Big Ben. I hate you so much. Anyways, Steelers have a lot of weapons here. Uh, is there a 
Steelers receiver that you are sold on week to week that you will have in your starting lineup? I still think you're starting Johnson and Juju. Um, you know, he he actually was the best receiver yesterday. Yeah. Clay, take away Claypool's touchdown. I mean, Juju, it was not a huge passing game. Um, the other thing is Ebron. You have to throw him in there. We have not had the dimension of consistently having a huge pass catching tight end there. They are using Eric Ebron. Ben seems comfortable with Eric Ebron. Running back has seemed to sort itself out. It seemed like after the first week there was, oh, is Benny Snell? No. It's James Conner. James Conner's looked good. James Conner's looked durable. James Conner's looked tough. Uh, he's So that seems to have settled itself out. But you have four guys among the Steelers that could get stuff in any given week. I'm with you that I still think Johnson probably, you know, he's probably the one we're going to continue to have the highest ranked. Uh, until I'm purposely going to rank him as no, the last one you, every single week now. You you don't know how to quit him. I, I uh, don't but, know how to quit him. But it was you know it was a tough matchup. The Ravens ha- don't have a bad secondary, so they probably were more focused on him, um, which which allowed some other guys to go off. But I don't. It's not a Devonte Adams situation. We haven't reached that point where you know they have a alpha wide receiver and that's who they're going to. It isn't like how it was when Antonio Brown was there where Brown had lesser games, but you knew he was always going to be the first choice. I don't think there is a clear cut first choice right now. And that's, that's the issue. Like what you're talking about in, if you, if a B is out there wide open on a wide receiver screen, Ben's not looking anywhere else. He's not noticing who else is open and throwing it down the field. But here, he likes Johnson, he likes Claypool, he likes Juju, he likes Ebron, he likes winning. And that's, uh, for them, it's been a successful formula. It's a little bit like uh, the Rams, probably. They want to win games. We want to win fantasy games. We want you to feed our guy. They want to win games, so they're looking for the best play, and that's, you know, it's going to happen occasionally. Um, you know, I'll have to look. I, I honestly haven't done much looking into this game at the moment, but I, coming into this game, when he's been healthy, Deontay Johnson has been the guy. He, he's been the guy with the most snaps, getting the most targets. I do think it goes back to what I said beforehand. He just He's injured so much, and I think that's what's kind of making him possibly not be the guy anymore. And we saw earlier in that game, I want to say it was – Toward the end of the first quarter, he came out because they were evaluating him for a hamstring injury. And at that point, you were right. He had the zero, and I was like, you have got to be shitting me. Like, seriously? Oh, my God. Did you just yeah, see Jamal the Williams? Yeah, I was about to bring no, that up. I didn't um, see Jamal Williams. I just saw Kittle is out for weeks. Is what oh, yeah, eight weeks. That came out like two hours ago. Yeah, I thought you knew that. I'll bring that up with the San Francisco 49ers saying, yeah, no. Um so yeah, I, I still am going to believe in Deontay. I just he, he's got to stay healthy if he wants to be able to produce. Um, before we get to Baltimore, just came across. Uh, I, I'm sure some people have seen it already. Uh, AJ Dillon was the Packers player that tested positive for COVID. He has, however, been in close contact with Jamal Williams, so now he is likely going to go on COVID IR. But he is not tested positive as of yet. Was the report that just came out? So hopefully he'll be okay. Might just be one of those things where they keep him quarantined up until game time next week. Uh, there is thought that Aaron Jones will be back next week as well, so it may not matter. Uh, but they are saying Aaron Jones has not been in contact with those two, but Jamal Williams, and it was 
a linebacker was the other guy. I don't think he, I've never honestly even so heard of him. Deontay Johnson got three targets yesterday, eight yeah. for Juju, and he caught seven of them, so pretty efficient. Nine for Claypool, he caught five of them. Five for Ebron, he caught four of them. Well, yeah, but again, I think some of that goes to, I think Deontay was uh, out almost the entire second quarter. Like, he had that hamstring injury, and they came out, and then I honestly thought he was done for the game. And then he came back into the third quarter, and I was like, okay, cool, he's good to go. And then, like, as you saw, just nothing. And still, I think the injuries, it's, what's, it's causing the inconsistencies on the field, and it's making, as you mentioned, Big Ben go, you know what? I can rely on Juju. I can rely on Chase Claypool. Why am I going to keep going to this guy if he's not going to be on the field? So for A.J. Dillon, is that the first positive result he's produced this season for the Packers? Yes. So supposedly this happened yesterday. That's why he wasn't in the game. I guess he he tested huh. positive, or, or maybe it was after the game. They There was a lot of talk <laughs> yesterday at some point that the Packers had a positive test, but nobody knew who it was. And then it came out today, this morning at like 5 o'clock, that it was A.J. Dillon. And then the report just came out a couple minutes ago that it was um, NFL could have a 16th postseason if it loses oh um wow that would be interesting okay. what nfl what might go to a 16 team postseason depending on uh how covid plays out the rest of the year so that's adding another playoff team into the uh into the mix there on both sides i don't like hey it. you know what after the browns lost to the raiders yesterday i'm loving it because i feel like that game is going to cost them a playoff shot if it's seven um so Baltimore side here, Lamar 14, Dobbins 13, Edwards 14, Marquise Hollywood Brown 7, Willie Sneed 15, and Mark Andrews 6. The Ravens passing game had its up and downs in this one. The running did look better, which I think goes to J.K. Dobbins now. Good. He looked. Do you think we are starting to see Mark Ingram getting phased out? Yeah, and they're talking about him being out for a few more weeks. Um you know, I saw some report that he won't be back until after week 10. So you're talking about at least uh, at least two more weeks, probably. But it they weren't really effective, or Ingram wasn't really effective uh, with the carries. We saw when he got, when he went out with an injury in uh, week six, that Gus Edwards seemed to pick it up and do pretty well. And um, he did very well yesterday. Dobbins looked really good. I think the Ravens need some kind of spark on offense because even though they've had a decent record, they have not had the greatest offense. They've been tough, uh, tough to watch. They need some kind of spark if they want to get back in the playoffs, somebody other than Jackson, because clearly teams are really focused on Jackson now, and he's not having those high highs that he had last year. Defenses are catching up and figuring some things out. Um, but I thought, those guys provided a spark against a pretty good defensive front for Pittsburgh. So I would think if they can keep that rolling, that that's going to be the plan. Yeah. I, like I said, I, we, I talked about it on Friday. I thought possibly coming out of the bye week that Dobbins could get that run. Now Edwards looked really good yesterday too. I don't want to take anything away from Edwards, but I like the way Dobbins looked. I'm with you. I think they need a spark, especially in that run game to kind of help them out. And Dobbins and Edwards can do that for them. Next up, obviously going to your thing here, the comeback game of the of, day of the ages. The Broncos winning 31 to 30. Herbert 21 points. Justin Jackson 17. Pope 14. Kelly 3. Keenan Allen 21. Mike Williams 21. And Hunter Henry 7. Uh Joshua Kelly was the fourth highest scoring running back for the Chargers Sunday. Is he your is he stay away now? Is have we finally seen kind of Justin Jackson kind of asserting himself in that backfield? 
So first of all, I feel like I have to apologize to Dennis because when he asked uh, for our lineup advice, I told him he should play Guyton because Mike Williams sucks. And apparently Mike Williams heard that uh, and looked uh, pretty good yesterday while Jalen Guyton uh, was the guy who was meant to get the ball when it got intercepted. Um, so they said during the broadcast, I don't know how much you watched this, that um, I watched most of it. That the Chargers head coach uh, had told the running backs they needed to step it up or he would find somebody who would. Justin Jackson looked pretty strong running the ball, had some nice passing plays. Kelly did not look very good when he was in there. And Troy Main Pope, they put in, started looking pretty good, doing some stuff. Kelly being the fourth highest scoring running back on his own team is definitely a red flag. And I would say he's had some rookie woes. He's had some issues in the past couple of games. And it certainly seems like they're kind of going away from that. They said they needed to provide a more balanced attack for Justin Herbert. And it certainly seemed like Jackson and Pope were getting it done uh, in a pretty good tandem. Yeah, if you've got Jackson, I think, which is funny because everybody ran to the waiver wire to get Kelly, but Jackson seems like he's going to be the guy uh, moving forward because it, it honestly looks like we may not see Eckler back. Like, I haven't heard anything about him being back at practice or anything right now. So, no, and it was might, supposed to be eight weeks, right? How many has it been? Yeah, uh, it's probably been four or five now at this point. It was probably back in week two or three that it happened. So, you're looking at now, it's so it's probably been longer than that. You're looking at six seven now but we haven't heard anything i haven't heard anything positive on austin eckler so it'll be interesting and at this point too i'm going to be on why rush him back you're not going anywhere unfortunately with the way your defense is blowing leads there's no point in rushing him out there to just possibly hurt it even more just take your time getting healthy let let herbert kind of grow with this offense and come back at it next year anthony lynn may not be there next year but you know the rest of the team i think well i don't think they should fire anthony lynn even though I mean, they're, play they're playing hard. Oh, yeah. they. You can tell that they like Anthony Lynn. I just He's not aggressive enough, in my opinion. Like in that Chiefs game, when it's fourth and one in overtime, dude, you got to go. You cannot give Patrick Mahomes a ball back on a punt. I know your defense has been playing well. That was in the first three quarters before Patrick Mahomes stormed back to take it and almost beat you guys. You've got to go. There's games you've got to go for. Same thing with um, who did well, they play the week yesterday? I think yeah, they put Tampa, Tampa, Tampa they did the same thing. They got they let super conservative, and, and you get you can't be conservative against these well, good they teams. Got, they got really conservative yesterday too. They yeah. were up twenty four to three. Hence why yeah. I have outdoor Christmas lights already on yeah. November first because I I you know happy wife happy life. She wanted yeah. to do the Christmas thing, and I'm like, well, Denver has killed me, so I'm going outside for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I that's my only complaint. But I like Anthony Lynn a lot. I, I do hope that he keeps his job. But obviously, they've got to get stuff fixed with that defense. I saw it. It was like the last four games that they've lost has been a their defense has given up as seven. They were up 17, 26, 21, 17. It, it's just it, it's ridiculous how bad that defense. And then I think twenty one because they lost what they twenty four three. Yes, there's been a whole host of offenses that are fun to watch that cannot hold leads. I mean. That was Thursday night. I almost choked on my water when they flashed the stat. Atlanta is one and three this season when going into the fourth quarter with the lead. And you're like, dude. Yep. 
Uh, Denver side here, Locke, 19 points. Lindsey, 15. Had a great, what was that, 50-yard run, right? 55, double nickel. Uh, I love, I love Lindsey. Gordon, 10. Hamler, 10. Judy, 11. Deshaun Hamilton, who we all, I think, thought was left for dead in this offense. 18 points yesterday. Fant, 11. And Albert, 07. Obviously, a huge comeback here for the Broncos. I think, a, in all honesty, a statement win for Locke, who has been get kind of shit on all year this well. Yeah. Well, as this year as well is Albert O becoming a weekly option at tight end. And who do you have between Lindsay and Gordon the rest of the season? Uh, so for Albert O, yes, I actually ranked him this week. I don't know if you did, I did not. Um, I had him ranked because, you know, he was college teammates with Locke and they had really good chemistry in college. They want to use kind of a multiple tight end formation. When Albert O was injured, kind of the first part of the season, we saw Jake Butt moving in there. We saw them go into Vanette. They really like those big tight ends, and Alberto is a huge target in the end zone. He got several targets in the end zone. He came down with that one incredible catch for a touchdown. He actually drew pass interference on the play that set up the touchdown to K.J. Hamler. Um, so I like him a lot. Rest of season running back. I, I have said all year I thought Lindsey was going to be the better running back. I was bummed that he got hurt week one and missed some time. But Melvin Gordon has been okay at best and disappointing for a lot of the time. He's very touchdown dependent. Yesterday they were talking about it being a big hype-up game for him playing his old team. They got the same amount of carries. Lindsey had a lot of burst, a lot of lift. If you listen to the... Uh, players that were interviewed afterward, they said his Lindsay's 55 yard touchdown run, which if you watch the replay was incredible. A defender was about to meet him in the hole and Lindsay slid and went, what went through the back door, broke a couple of tackles and took off. They said that was the spark they needed to light a fire under them. You're not getting those kind of plays from Melvin Gordon. He's, He's been okay at times. Um, He's had some okay games because he got some touchdowns and because he's been the only guy sometimes. So I props to him for his durability, but Lindsay, I think what really killed them in that game against Kansas city was Lindsay getting knocked out with a concussion right before halftime. Cause he had nine carries for 70 yards and was really kind of gashing the chiefs and trying to keep them honest. And yesterday, just some huge runs uh, as part of that comeback and, and got lock fired up, you know, after that touchdown, you saw lock come out in the, and you know, he does his little dance when he's out there to me that yeah. some people say that's cocky. I think that just, I mean, it probably is a little bit, but to yeah. me, that's when he's into the game, you know, he's yeah. like feeling it. And then you see him just start to pick up and it was, it was fun to watch. I agree with you about a statement game. Cause there was a lot of comments in the first half about, you know, how does Denver feel about Locke watching Justin Herbert destroy them on the same yeah. field? Cause John Elway has liked Justin Herbert for a couple of years. That's why there was some question about whether he was going to make a move and take Locke the draft before, or whether they were going to try to play to get Herbert. Obviously we played too well in 2019 yeah. to, to get up high enough to get him. Um, but, you know, I thought he really came through and he looked a lot better. He made uh, a really poor interception. He's got to cut those down. But seeing some growth, seeing some leadership, seeing some heart, some spark, that puts him at least a little bit above some of the rotating guys we've had in there since Manning left. Yeah, I liked it from Locke. And, I mean, you know, you know you're know, you preaching to the choir when it comes to talking about Lindsay. I love it. I love that run, too. I mean, 
to see him, like you said, miss that tackle in the hole, which, you know, could have caught, I don't think he'd have fumbled or anything, but it was going to go for no gain. And then to break multiple tackles and then take it 55 yards was, it was awesome. I, I love me some Philip Lindsay and I was, I was happy to see that happen. Uh, Saints Bears, uh, which ended up being a good game yesterday. Saints 26, Bears 23. Breeze 19 points, Kamara 25. Traquan Smith 9, Jared Cook 16, and Taysom Hill. Hill. I don't know why I wanted to call him Jared Hill. Taysom Hill 14 points. Josh Hill is their other tight end. That might have been who you were thinking about. Uh, Saints are missing a lot of receivers here, but keep finding ways to get it done. Kamara is on pace to set all kinds of receiving records at the running back position. Is he making his way into being an MVP candidate? Yeah, to me, you know, the Saints need to keep winning because, you know, we, they went through a little bit of a rough, a rough patch. And I think when you're middle of the pack or when you're not in contention, it's really hard for those individual performances to rise up into that MVP discussion, but they're working their way back up toward the top of the NFC South. They've quietly put together a, you know, a strong stretch. They're five and two. Um, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge Sunday night game in week nine when they play the Buccaneers again, because that was a really fun battle but you think about who the saints have not had michael thomas uh you know we've seen him in one game all season he's given you 2.9 ppr points all season emmanuel sanders hasn't been there they've missed a lot of other guys we've seen at times breeze has looked a little bit of his age you know maybe like he's closer to the end uh than than you know we had hoped but kamara has been their rock steady running the ball catching the ball making plays he's helped will them to a couple of these victories and i think that that is the kind of thing we're praising russell wilson for right now that is the kind of thing we should be praising kamara for yeah i'm with you i'd love to see him kind of get um get into that discussion because to be honest Nobody else really pops up into my mind to be a front runner. You know, Patrick Mahomes isn't having that great season. Lamar Jackson isn't having a great season. Those were kind of the two I think everybody was leaning Alan towards. Allen really year. fell off. Allen Russell Wilson's the one I, I didn't think about. Russell Wilson probably Russell even Wilson. though he had the bad game he, last week. I mean, he would still be my number one right now. Yeah. Well, I don't even know that I think it was a bad game. His defense just well, he threw the three interceptions, one of which that cost him, but I'm with you. No, I'm I'm saying like yeah. bad game of what he's done so far this season. If you that's the one bad game he's had. Outside of that, he's been absolutely amazing. So yeah, he he's definitely the one. I think Allen was in that discussion, but he's almost he's, fallen off. He's played his way out of it. And Tannehill, they were talking about for a while, he's really played himself out of it. There's no one person to me on the Steelers that you would elevate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Russ is up there. I, I just feel like Kamara has steadily had an incredible season that we just aren't talking about as yeah. much in that kind of way. On Chicago's side here, Foles 16 points, Montgomery 12, Allen Robinson 20, um, Anthony Miller 15, Darnell Mooney 17, and Jimmy Graham 3. Foles was getting his receivers involved here. Uh, do you think this is a passing game coming together or a Saints defense that still has not quite figured out how to stop the pass? Yeah, the Saints aren't the greatest against the pass, but I did think it was encouraging that Nick Foles, A, realized he had wide receivers, and B, was able to get them the ball. You know, if you've held Anthony Miller for the last three years in Dynasty, you were probably, like, putting him on the block first thing this morning. 
<laughs> try to see what you can get for him. I don't know. I would like to see them keep it up. I wonder if Robinson being borderline, uh, whether he was even going to go all the way up to Saturday when he got cleared, uh, gave Foles a little bit time to focus on Mooney and Miller to because they were getting them involved a lot early in the game. Um, it was nice to see him going. Consistency will be the key. Chicago's offense, you know, it's a shame in some ways for them that they lost yesterday because I thought they actually looked better than they have in some of these big games they've won. Yeah, yeah, that offensive line is is what's really kind of holding that team back, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned it before. I think Dennis really likes him as well. Like, I've really liked what I've seen out of Darnell Mooney. I think he he's going to be a guy that can really kind of step up opposite a rob assuming they keep him I, I don't know why you'd let a wide receiver who's that good go but we'll see a rob just continues to ball out I, I, I love that guy seahawks 49ers seahawks win 37 to 27 for the 49ers a bunch of injuries in this one which we'll get to in a minute jimmy g the one point nick mullins comes in for him in relief 17 points hasty 10 mckinnon 13 tevin coleman two Brandon Ayuk, 23, Kendrick Bourne, 16, and, of course, George Kittle, 5. With the injuries, we've seen Jimmy G. That ankle injury is clearly not any better. He is going to be out for multiple weeks. And, of course, the big one, after x-rays looked negative, they did some kind of MRI on Kittle's foot. He has broken bones in his foot. He will be out for at least eight weeks. So, so basically, that's the rest of the regular season. Yeah, he's done fantasy-wise. I'd imagine he's going on – uh, the IR at some point here within the next couple of days. So dynasty leagues, at least if you, I would assume you have IR, you can drop him to your IR at least. So he's not eating up a spot redraft. He's done. I mean, you're talking, they're saying at least eight weeks. So you're looking at, he's not coming back till maybe week 16. And I would think with them saying at least eight weeks, you're not seeing him back at all this year. We will see Kittle back. If the 49ers make the playoffs in the NFL fantasy wise, he's done for the year. So, with that being said, we know it's going to be Nick Mullins next week because uh, the report on Jimmy G says at least two weeks, I think, is what expected to miss two weeks. So you got Nick Mullins. Is it just Ayuk? I mean, Ayuk's been amazing. Yeah. And I think for me, yeah, that's the only player I trust. Debo's on the shelf. Mostert's on the shelf. Wilson's on the shelf. It looked like Coleman got injured again yesterday coming back off IR. So. And I don't know what they're doing with Jarek McKinnon. I haven't seen any report that he got hurt again. I guess he came back in garbage time and got some receptions. But for a lot of the game, it was like, does he even exist? Is, is this another redshirt game? Man? So running running wise, they've, they've found ways to get guys to produce, but trying to pick who's going to be the guy that produces is, is tough. Ayuk has actually looked like he's developed into a solid number one. Kendrick Bourne is another guy to me that has looked – good the the only hesitation i have with that is we've seen nick mullins come out in relief and be really good and have a really good game and then fall into a toilet and cj bethard come in and then fall you know fall off the cliff for a receiver unlike a running back you have to rely somewhat on the guy being able to get you the ball and that's you know i want to believe in iuke san francisco what a what a bummer of a season for them yeah, uh, I, I'll believe in IU just because I believe in Shanahan finding a way to get him the ball. He, he's clearly going to be their best weapon on offense. Bourne, I liked what I saw out of him yesterday. I think Mullins affects him more than anybody else because IU, they'll get him. You know, we saw his first touchdown of the year came on that rushing touchdown. Like they'll find ways to get IU the ball that I think he'll still be kind of fantasy relevant. Everybody else, though, with Mullins being back there does worry me a little bit because we don't, as you mentioned, we don't know if we're going to get. 
the stud looking Nick Mullins that we saw yesterday that people were talking about replacing Jimmy G for the future or that guy that we saw back in whatever it was week two or three. Yeah, that got you, yeah, got you like negative points and they that's had to bring cold. in CJ Beathard. So yeah. that that's the biggest thing that worries me for anybody outside of IU. Uh, running in game fact, wise, I'm with it was him. a little I, bit of a surprise to me that Mullins was still the clear cut number two for Shanahan because the last we saw of Mullins, he got yanked for Beth- yeah. Beathard and then Beathard. Uh, also displaced Jimmy G when Jimmy G came back that week afterward. So that's the other thing. I'm glad they said they committed to Nick Mullins. See how long that lasts. Yeah. Uh, For running backs, I'm with you. Um, I'm not trusting anybody right now. I want to see. We just have to keep watching to see if anything comes out on McKinnon, but I don't think he was hurt. Like I I know he came in late and got that Uh touchdown. I didn't see anything on him. You know, I think I guess I would say at this point, Hasty's probably the better decision because Coleman's already hurt again. He came out and had like two runs. One of them was a good run, and then he got hurt again. So, yeah. And I did you see what I'm going to see if I can find what Coleman's injury is again? It was just surprising because he came yeah. off IR. Um, so it says he has a knee knee injury, isn't that? And now he's listed as doubtful. So yeah, yeah, I think probably, they said. When it happened in the game, because I was flipping for back and forth between that and the um, the Denver game, so I, I was when I was flipping back and forth between. I want to say that they said in there like when it happened, they're like they had already pretty much said he's done for the game at that point. I but I didn't see oh. what happened to him. So Jimmy G says now at least six weeks could miss more time if they decide they wow. have to do surgery. So he's probably done for the done year for too. The year too. Wow. So honestly, I would say it's Ayuk. San Francisco is probably a fade. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're done. I think, like I said, I, for me, I still trust Ayuk, but outside of them, I'm, I'm just kind of maybe hasty because I believe in Kyle Shanahan. But outside of that, like I don't think well, you can go too pretty deep on this team now at that point. You're you're done. At somebody those is going to produce as yeah. a running back. So Coleman likely out. You would think it's clarified, at least it's only hasty or McKinnon and probably yeah. and the way San Francisco plays, it's typically at least two. So you'd think both would have a role. They they're in a brutal division too. So yep. it's not like they face the easiest schedule. On Seattle side here, Wilson twenty eight points, DJ Dallas twenty two, DK Metcalf forty. Uh, David Moore, 13, and Tyler Lockett, 7. DJ Dallas looked really good in this one. Uh, do you expect him to get a role moving forward with Car- when Carson comes back? I think he certainly could. He looks like he's got uh, good receiving chops, and that's something uh, – I mean, Hyde's an okay receiver. Carson's been – Carson's actually had some decent rece- receiving work uh, this year. But I kind of think the combination of Carson and DJ Dallas might be a more effective pairing than um, – Carson and Hyde and Hyde has has struggled with injury. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Have we heard any updates about Rashad Penny? Uh, uh, Last week they were saying that he's still a couple weeks away. He's still finishing up uh, getting, I don't think he's been able to take hits in practice or something that they, they were saying after, when was it? Cause they've already had their buy, right? So maybe it was week, 10, yeah. I think, is what they were targeting for him, if I'm remembering correctly. I'll go back and look because I had it saved because I was looking at because I actually have him on a couple dynasty rosters I stashed just in case because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think DJ Dallas, he looked really good yesterday with, with getting the ball. I think Hyde and Carson are too similar that I think DJ Dallas could – could kind of come out and have a role because he's so opposite of those guys and really kind of establish himself as a change of pace guy and a receiving back. 
Yeah, and we've seen uh, Seattle do that in the past. I mean, they yeah. use CJ Procise for that uh, sometimes. And um, Dallas, I thought he looked good, and uh, yeah. I think he's a guy that they would like to get more involved. Speaking of Dallas, they lost yesterday, uh, which was kind of expected, I guess. Eagles 23, Dallas 9, uh, Danucci 5 points, Zeke Elliott 8, Tony Pollard 8, Michael Gallup 13, CeeDee Lamb 8, and Amari Cooper 1. Um, we're expecting – now, they did say that Andy Dalton should be back by week 9. Not that that means much with as bad as he's looked so far. But with Dalton out there, Danucci out there, whichever – Honestly, I am fading all Cowboys. I mean, I hate to say this because I love Zeke. I think he's one of the best running backs to ever play at Ohio State. He just looks like he is disinterested out on the football field, which is extremely disheartening. You would expect someone of his talent and caliber to kind of be the leader to step up and be like, guys, let's go. We got to do this. And he just doesn't seem to care. I, I watched the game yesterday. They were kind of talking about it on air, how – I mean, to me, Pollard looks better running the ball right now than he does. Yeah. Pollard's hitting the holes. He's looking explosive. Zeke just kind of looks like he just grabs the ball, takes his two yards, falls down, gets up, does it all over again. He just doesn't look like the same guy to me. Wide receivers, you know, Gallup has the good game last night, but next week it could be Lamb. Week after that, it could be Amari. Like, I just – I'm not trusting anybody, unfortunately, for this Cowboys yeah. team, which sucks compared to what we saw at the beginning of the year with this team. Yeah, the air just seems to be kind of out of the tire there in uh, Dallas. And, you know, you're right about Zeke, but I, I think it's some of the other guys too. In At the end of the game when they're trying to run hurry up, he hit Amari Cooper in the hands and he kind of dropped it and then walked back to the huddle. I, I just – it feels like a team that feels deflated. And to me, that's an incredibly grim sign for Mike McCarthy. If you've lost your team halfway through your first season – which it's certainly, you know, they don't look like they have a lot more lust for football than the Jets right now. Yeah, it, it's it's been bad. I will say on Amari's side, though, Amari's kind of always been that way. If, if he's not involved early and in getting his, he kind of turns into a little pouty McPatterson over there. That's another reason why I've never really liked him. Uh, Eagles side, Wentz, eight points, Scott, nine, Travis Fulgham, 19 points, and Jalen Rager in his first game back, nice touchdown, 13 points here. Uh, sort of a quiet game here for the Eagles. I think most of that due to just the horrific play by Carson Wentz. Uh, but Fulgham looked good. I think if you picked him up on your waiver wire, congratulations. You've gotten yourself, in my opinion, a wide receiver, too. For this year and moving forward, the Eagles have clearly fallen in love with this kid. And Rager's first game back, I thought, looked really good. What was your takeaway from the Eagles? Yeah, first of all, Carson Wentz. Finally, we put you back as a quarterback one. If there was ever a day where you're going to give us 30 points, it's against the future Dallas Cowboys. Way to fist all of your uh, all the people rostering you yesterday. Thanks for that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I thought Fulgham continues to look good. I thought Rager looked good. They got him involved early, got the touchdown. Um, I think that's a, that's a hopeful sign. That actually could be the future, um, you know, and if they kept Greg Ward, he's been not too bad as a little slot receiver too. Um, you know, eventually you figure they're going to get tight ends back. Goddard was back, still working him back in there. Eventually you would think maybe Miles Sanders looks better. It. Yeah, that Sunday night team said it was basically a tale of two teams going in opposite directions. The Eagles kind of look like they're getting healthy and rallying at the right time. And, um, you know, that looks potentially to be the case. 
six, seven wins might do it in the NFC East. So they certainly yeah. seem to be tracking a lot better toward that right now than they were a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, they'll hopefully get Miles Sanders back this week, which will help out that run game some. But Fulgham and Rager have looked amazing, even as bad as once has been. They're still producing by getting the touchdowns and and uh, catches in yards. It'll be um, it'll be interesting to see what Rager does coming back. He was obviously my number two wide receiver coming out this year. I still like him a lot. Still think he's got a lot of upside. It was great to see him back out there on the field. Uh, that'll do it for me and Matt today. We've got obviously the Giants and the Buccaneers tonight, so hoping for a good game there. We'll be back tomorrow to recap that game, talk about any of the trade stuff. Hopefully we get some interesting fantasy pieces moving around in that one, and we'll talk about waiver wire targets as well. Until tomorrow, everybody, good luck if you have players going tonight. Hope you win your matchups. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?